You are listening to the Mom and Dad Podcast. A podcast about balance, growth, and navigating through your 20s and 30s. Alright, hello you guys. Welcome back to the Mom and Dad Podcast. It is another Friday, another episode, and this is a good one. We are really excited about this one. Yeah, our first interview our in the very books. First. We plan on doing a lot more interviews, but this one here today is a special one because it happens to be my brother. So in addition to being Ashley's brother, um, he has a pretty unique story of leaving a successful career and restarting down a new path after he already had four kids. Um, and he's now the head of data analytics for a large private hospital in Oregon, and he was gracious enough to come on and you know tell us his story. So this episode can suit mainly everybody. Like we're all going through life. We're all trying to figure out our path and whether you feel right or wrong in the path that you're in right now, this episode is definitely for you. And I know there's a lot of people who are in their career and maybe doing actually really well, but just aren't happy like they're not enjoying themselves they're not it's just not sustainable for them so this episode is specifically for that person because that's mainly exactly what my brother went through Mm -hmm. so we're really excited for you guys to listen and we hope you guys enjoy it take some value from it and let's get into it yeah let's get started In previous podcasts, we've talked about how you apparently are the one that set us up. Yes. You are responsible for us. What are your thoughts on that? I wouldn't say responsible. I'd say Justin's responsible for it, but uh, I gave him the opportunity. I I don't think I've heard this part of the story. No, I've just heard the Brother Mauer said, like you told Brother Mauer that I was going to Portland State. And then Brother Mauer told Justin. Mm-hmm. So you were the catalyst. Brother yep. Mauer told Justin, <laughs> and I was Brother Mauer talking to Justin at the front of the room. And I was sitting there minding my own business when Justin approached me and started small talk to establish a relationship and then led into, <laughs> can I talk to your sister? What? And I said, yeah, that would be, that would be great. I'll, uh, I can't remember if I brought you before he asked or after he asked, but I do recall being the one bringing you to Institute. So that you really, that's why you, I don't remember that part at all. That... <laughs> I'm sure it was just a blur to you, Justin. Was that the way that it happened? Ashley showed up, everything went blank. I know the first time that I saw her was at orientation. And then the f- first time I talked with her was at church, but then this is a whole new development. Yeah, a bit of suppressed memory that I don't even remember. You did I think I do remember this me. now. You you kind of nudged things slightly. I was sitting the second row back on the inside seat, and you were up in front talking to Maurer. Maybe that's when he told you. And then you came to me, and I remember looking up. I was like, here we go. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember this now very vaguely. And then you, and you know what? Honestly, I was stoked. <laughs> I was really stoked. I'm like, yeah, this guy's a good guy. And I, and I tried to play coy 
it did not work. <laughs> you did. I remember uh, you played Koi. Now the, this, it's to. like little bits and pieces is what I'm remembering. Yeah. So yeah, it was awesome. you and Cassie were definitely on Team Justin because I remember I was talking to Cassie sometime. I don't think maybe me and Justin were dating, but I was like kind of unsure about things. And Cassie was like, no, he's such a good guy. You got to go for it. He's such a good guy. <laughs> yeah, so. no, um, I, I read this question to Cassie and she said, wait a minute. I'm responsible for them getting married. I said, no, no, that's probably true. I just got the ball rolling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Equal parts. I feel yeah. like you and Cassie. It was a team effort, a real yeah. family effort. Yeah. Yeah. On your guys and I felt a little entitled. I'll be honest. Like Ashley was my littlest sister. She was the baby of the family. I was the eldest of the family. I felt like if he doesn't ask, he's not getting introduced. And if he meets her once, I'm going to make him. <laughs> but no you, you came up and asked and it was a good it was a good validation moment for yeah. me that's awesome that's cool um well let's jump into some more serious stuff i guess serious okay. but we've always admired your passion for learning and we want to know where that started because i feel like having that desire to learn whatever it is like that's such a i don't know i just think it's an it's a crucial element to the recipe of success or yeah. growth it was the process let me tell you it was quite the process and you know i i think back on my high school career like where i really remember thinking to myself learning is really hard you know i just remember sitting on the couch trying to read, I don't even remember what book, but it was for class. I was, I think a junior anyway. And every little noise that took me away from what I was trying to do, distracted me from, from learning. And I was just like, you know what? From that time forward, I was thinking, this is my weakness. I gotta be humble and just keep at it. Yeah. And it didn't work, <laughs> didn't work at all until I remember my, you know, in South America, when my companion got sick, I, I had a chance to just sit down and read, you know, read the scriptures. And I'd never really had such a dedicated moment where I could spend 12 to 14 hours just reading. And I was like, oh my gosh, the thing about learning is you can learn something and learn, learn more about it. Like it's indefinite. You can always learn more about the simplest things. And I think that's where it became really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I read something, actually just reread it yesterday in a book called Catastrophic Living. It said, take a learner's approach to everything. Sometimes you just got to step back. And even though you may already know, step back and think about it. We have these heuristics that, that jump in to make our brains conserve energy and move on to the next topic. But the example they use is if you sit down and you think about, oh, there's a dog. We automatically know it bites, probably bites. Um, in my case, it did bite. Um, <laughs> it probably barks. Half move a thumb. On. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> half a thumb. But it takes practice. It's a muscle word to sit down and think, this is a living organism. There's so much happening within that dog. The possibilities are endless. And that's really where it kind of took hold. And it was, I mean, it 
the process really didn't set in until shoot my last year in college. So, which was a 10 year trial. Isn't that <laughs> so, so can... fortunate that we finally learn how to learn once we're done with school. I feel like it was the same way for me, at least for me. I felt I, like I completely agree. Yeah. Like now that I'm out of college, I'm like, I feel like I could have done so much better being who I am now. No, I think that's, that's true. And I feel like almost in my experience and a lot of, you know, what you're explaining and what both of you are explaining is when we're little, we're really curious by nature. And then I think as we go through like maybe middle school, we start to think that learning isn't cool. And I think that's more of like a social thing that's, that sort of snuffs that flame out. And then that curiosity I feel like we all have to sort of rediscover that curiosity and that sort of desire for learning. Cause I, like, I remember for the longest time, I convinced myself that I hated computers and I was never going to be good at computers, not even like proficient at computers. And now I absolutely love learning everything I can about computers. And it was something that I just had, like you said, the example about the dog, you have to sort of be willing to discard your pre preconceived notions because your mind has stored computers equal pain. I'm never going to like computers. So as soon as you see one, or as soon as the topic of learning about computers comes up, you immediately discard it. And that's what I did. Like I always kick myself now, like if I could have gone back in college and studied computer science, I would have a degree in computer science right now and know way more than I know, but you know, hindsight it's 2020, but I think it's, it's definitely that sort of we all have to get to that point where we can be open-minded and not just take those preconceived notions so that we can rediscover that, that flame or let that curiosity kind of spark back up. So, yeah, I think that's, that's interesting yeah. that you put it that way. Yeah, I, I agree. Unfortunately, college is, I don't know, this is probably not the best approach, but college is kind of a game. Mm -hmm. You just got to play the game. And once I figured that out, I learned a lot more like, cause you know, there's so much good information, especially as, you know, religious people. I always went back to, wow, this is, this is a, an eternal truth. <laughs> like, wow, there's so much to this that makes sense. It's like the psychology of the brain is really interesting anyway. But once I realized that the goal was to get through college, then I just sort of picked up the things that I was interested in at a good pace and let things go and made sure I, I got through college for college but also picked up some good habits on the way. Um, I think I had to be honest with myself in that regard. Um, otherwise, it would just led to a lot of frustration and poor, unhealthy processing. But yeah, it, it did give me some good habits and sort of stretch my brain to, to love learning. Because how much of your college degree do you feel you use frequently? All of the conflict resolution. <laughs> I use that all the time. I mean, I was, I was in sales during my undergrad, you know, I was in banking and it was all talking in high stress conversations. So I use that every day. Spanish, obviously I tested out all that stuff. So I, I use that quite a bit, but like, you know, then you got the other stuff that's just, you have to check a box. They have to check a box, check the box and move on. Yeah. Let's kind of go into your career. So out of high school, you went to college for a little bit, kind of just start from there and get to where you are right now, just so people can have a little background. I felt like for a long time, I chased success. I consider myself 
and this isn't like boasting please don't please don't see it that way it's more of just a realization so that i can deal with it i consider myself somewhat of a natural like i do things naturally like I, somebody explains something to me i did this in math all the time my teacher would explain the math equation i was like done whole whole assignment done and then like in football you know i would just take to the field and go hard or basketball i you know, I was faster and stronger. So I'd always go to my right hand because that works the best, but I never learned how to go to my left. And so I feel like I just kind of chased that success throughout the first part of my career. I went into banking and I was pretty good at talking to people. So I just went with it. Um, I was good at relating to people. So sales came naturally and I loved finance and I loved people. So it just, I just sort of chased that success um, and it re went really, really, really well. But right back from my mission, I got married and my wife had told me, you have to graduate from school. <laughs> I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make tons of money in finance. <laughs> so I did. I started <laughs> making a lot of money in finance. It was great. It was so much fun. It was a wild ride. But I don't know. It got, it got to a point where I'd been in school for a while. I needed, at, you know, one class at a time, I needed to get it done, um, started to think through what, what a college degree meant, and what I would have to give up to do it. And it was really just my wife supporting me. And then also some advice I received to never stop my education, I just realized, it's the right thing to do to go back to school, quit my job, and live on a waitress's salary, because that's what my that's what or waitress's wages. And that was really, really hard. And how but many kids did you have at this point? Three. We had three kids. We didn't have Max yet. Okay. Because when I graduated, then we had Max. That was the that was the reward. That in Hawaii. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so it was it was really hard to go back, move in with people, and humble myself to do what was right, not just what was success. Mm -hmm. And there was also some sort of instability with chasing success. Because once you stop becoming successful people don't, don't really see the value anymore. If success is the only thing that defines you, then once, once that's gone or somebody else better and, you know, more talented comes along, it's sort of, it's sort of hard to see. And I, and I saw some of that. I didn't get to a point where I was like, oh my gosh, I hate this. I always loved banking. I would do it again in a heartbeat, but it, I just needed that foundation of an education. So I went back, knocked it out, did a time and a half at school, got it done in, you know, a year and a half done in, eight months, graduated with my undergrad in communications, one of my favorite things in the world. And I remember we were, uh, somebody told me, never pray about going back to school for your master's. I said, why? He said, because you will. <laughs> You'll go back to school for your master's. I was like, okay, I'm never, ever going to do that. And sure enough, I did it. I prayed about it and I, I got an answer. I was like, well, you, you have to go to school. Um, I was like, no, I just, I just went back into banking. I got a really good gig. I'm making even more money now. My options are open because I have an undergrad and everybody was telling me that don't go back to, for a master's for the money. They're like, it never pays off. <laughs> I was like, okay, so I, if I'm going to do this, I got to do it for me. It's got to be for me. And that's what everything says. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed. I got back into banking. Then I went into healthcare and then I went back for my master's. Sorry, I'm getting some of my, in my old age, I'm getting my details mixed up. No, bef before but, you move on from there, I have a, a question I wanted to ask about that. So with, obviously you were making good money in banking. Was the sole 
desire or strategy behind going back and finishing your undergrad? Was that specifically designed just to increase your, your earning ceiling in banking? Or were you trying at that point, like, was there an ulterior motive to getting that undergrad degree? It was, it was an, it was something that I felt was right. I think that was the primary driver because I was making really good money. It wasn't about making more money. The, and the potential was really high for me to make money. I did see that the money wasn't necessarily under my control. Like it was highly commission-based. And so they could change it at any point in time. And I didn't like that. I, I wanted more stability and I felt like having a degree would do that. It also opened up my options quite a bit. When I graduated, I could apply to jobs that I couldn't previously apply for. The only reason I got into Kaiser through the um, screening system was because I had an undergrad. Right. They automatically reject people who, who don't have an undergrad. The opportunity came up to change industries. I was like, do I want the money or do I want to make an impact? And then I wanted to make an impact. So I went into healthcare. <laughs> well, it seems like it was something um, that felt more sustainable to you. Yeah. I felt like there was a lot of potential in healthcare. I felt like it, it required a lot of innovative thinking and that's what I wanted to do. And it was an analyst position in finance. So I was like, now I get to do even more numbers, mm-hmm. um, do more financial analysis, but more heavily on the analysis side and less on the people side. Right. I think that can be really daunting for people because they see the money, but they feel a certain way that just isn't sustainable forever. So you taking that risk for that period of time to like just get it done so you can jump into something that's more sustainable and you can enjoy it more because that can be really scary for a lot of people. It is 100% scary um, and 100% worth it yeah. in hindsight. <laughs> It was so, it was so hard. Yeah. <laughs> it was really yeah, hard. I bet. I mean, it, it's especially with, you know, having three kids at that point. And then when you, the, what blows my mind even further is you got into Kaiser and I'm not sure what the, the potential for, for advancement and whatnot was there, but then you decided to go back to school for a master's, which was how many additional years of schooling? Three years. Three years. And that roughly how many yeah. like hours a week did that add to your schedule? Um, Kaiser was interesting because I got to work from home. That opened up a lot of, took away all of the drive time. But essentially I would start my day at seven o'clock, work for Kaiser, close my laptop for work at six o'clock, open my laptop for school, <laughs> then just go to bed at two o'clock. You know, well, I mean, anywhere between, 10 to two o'clock at night. Um, it was a long, long three years. Oh my gosh. And that was five days a week. Did you do anything on the weekends? Uh, rarely. My family did. My family did lots of things and then they would leave me at home and I would do <laughs> homework. That's almost even more painful because you're like, I can't be with them, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was like, we're going to Yellowstone. Can you come? Well, no, I can't. It's final. <laughs> so I'll go in a couple years. Away. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was, man. it was brutal. And then we, we bought a house that we were remodeling at the time. So like we're living in a remodeled house where I'm going to school full time. I'm going to work full time. At this point we have four kids in 1200 square feet. It was just, that was 
that was the lowest point in my entire life. Oh man. I'll be honest. Yeah. And, and the thing, so the thing that to me is, is so great about this story is also the thing that's so difficult is that it really required, it wasn't just your sacrifice. It was your whole family was on board with this and they were supportive of it because I mean, when I think about getting home from work and not really being able to spend time with, with Remy, like that just seems really, really hard. And then you know, multiply that by four, you know, cause you have four kids. What role did the support of your family play in you being able to like sustain that type of a schedule for that long? Um, I think my wife really got us through. She was, she was really strong. She, she was doing her own sort of business endeavors the whole time. She was taking care of four kids. And then when daddy was supposed to come home and help and I didn't, I was just doing homework and I would come in on occasion, you know, we'd pray as a family, put the kids to bed. And then I told my kids, I said, Hey, look, if you, if you need me, just, just come. I said, if there's, if there's a, I would put an orange paper up to let them know I was in a meeting. <laughs> but I said, if you need daddy time, just come and we'll, we'll have daddy time. And I, and I, I tell my employees this too, as they work from home, I said, embrace working from home. When your kids come to you and say, I need your attention, give it to them right now. Cause that's, that's priority one. And so I found that them being able like having that out in the air, and letting them come in and say, Hey dad, I got to talk was, was key. That was brave of them. So that, that was them stepping up and doing something. So my question was, we hear a lot about, okay, we need to spend more time at home. We need, we need to spend more time with the kids, but in your situation, from who? just in, in general, like it's, you hear that, that, okay, let's, you know, turn the TV off or don't work so hard, spend more time with your family. Like you hear it in church a lot and whatnot, but in your case, it seems like you guys found a really good balance between that where you were able to, I don't know, maybe speak to like the, the pros and the cons of, of putting yourself through that instead of what some people might, some people might rationalize as, you know, what what I need to do is just stay, you know, I don't need to further my career or go back to school at night because I need to, you know, focus on my family as priority number one. Like what were some of the pros and cons of making that decision as far as, growth in your family so it's it sounds like i'm doing something for me but at the same time doing something for my family 100 percent. that was that was really hard it was a challenge because i did feel like everybody everybody had to adjust for me and that was really frustrating i didn't i didn't like that i didn't like seeing how my absence impacted my family how they were sacrificing for me all the time and it, it gets wearing like, for you. It's very humbling and it's, it's a huge challenge. Um, but I think it was, it was the wrong perspective. And I think year two, I realized that, that that sort of attitude was taking a toll on me. And I realized the role of, of gratitude, not just in the moment, but gratitude over time really changes the way you endure. And it also changed the way I spent time with my kids. When my kids came to spend time with me, I was grateful for that. When I had time between assignments to spend with my wife, I was grateful for that. As opposed to always being like, they have to sacrifice for me. I feel bad. They have to sacrifice for me. I feel bad. It was more, they're supporting me and, and they love me. 
So that, that change in perspective was essential because um, we can do hard things. I felt like at the same time I was teaching my kids as a family unit, we can do hard things. And ultimately, I believe we were closer for that. I still coached my son's baseball teams. I was going to miss that. I still coached his football teams. You know, it was just being grateful for the support and doing hard things was was key over time, not just in the moment, but man, the toll negative thinking takes is really, really hard. Right. Yeah. And learning that gratitude and the growth that it sounds like your family endure sort of achieved together through the experience, I think far outweighs the cost, which I think could be important for other people that are considering, you know, maybe going back to school or, or making big changes like this. Yeah, I think it prepared us for the hard for the hard things to come. I mean, when my wife decided to open a bakery during COVID while we were remodeling our house and trying to move, like we didn't skip a beat and she was able to accomplish these amazing things. We didn't we it changed our mindset when things got hard. We're just we would stop, think and say, where do we go from here? As opposed to, oh my gosh, this is hard, woe is me. We did that before already. We didn't like it. <laughs> so we thought, okay, well, we can control what we can and we'll just see where that takes us. It turned, whenever a challenge came, it turned more into a, a pivot instead of a halt. It's like, oh yeah, okay, this, this isn't gonna stop us. This, we're just gonna take another turn. <laughs> yeah, and it was funny because like COVID hit and everybody was like, oh, everybody's really upset about it. And, and yes, we were upset about it. Don't get me wrong. Like people were entitled to be upset about everything going on because it was hard. It was really, really hard. But at the same time, you know, we, we know the feeling. And so we, instead of doing that, it was, well, where's the opportunity here? There's a huge changing of the guard in the food, food industry. Mm-hmm. Let's sell cinnamon rolls from home. Let's do, let's learn, you know, search engine optimization and make her bakery the number one search for food. Let's open a bakery at a low cost because nobody's paying rent right now. Like there were just, it was just a change in perspective and we knew the feeling. So it was, I think it gave us clarity and and good habits for enduring. Yeah. And this is all just my experience. I'm not saying it's anybody's truth. I'm still learning from this stuff. So if anybody has any insight on how to do this better, (laughs) all ears. Yeah. But that's kind of coming back to kind of what we talked about at the beginning where that hunger for learning I think some people maybe would try what you did and wouldn't be able to to focus on gratitude throughout it and it you know it would have been detrimental. So maybe you know maybe this isn't the the best route for everyone that was in a similar situation to where you were before you started it but so it sounds like gratitude and the support of your family and that hunger for for learning and continuing to grow were really sort of the driving factors that helped you push through and, and be able to eventually come out the other side. Would you say that's accurate? 100%. Yeah, it was. And it wasn't just gratitude. It was forced gratitude. Like I had to, I had to build the habit of gratitude. Like when people get, when people get overwhelmed and their brains are exhausted and our bodies are exhausted, we revert back to the subconscious muscle memory that we've developed, right? we fall back on the little things that we do right every day. And so I had to change that first and, and build that so that when things got really hard, I didn't have but statements. I had and statements. I didn't say, you know, I didn't have a negative attitude. I, I looked for opportunities to say, thank you. 
And I just set goals, like just say thank you three times a day because I have to remember to do that stuff. Um, also, I remember somebody told me one time, there's two times you can quit. I mean, you may have heard this. There's the beginning and the end. Those are the only two times you can quit because there's this huge hole. It's this big like ditch that you that is the process of accomplishing a goal. And the last place you want to quit is at the bottom of that hole because it feels really bad. It feels like the bottom of a hole, <laughs> but you can either quit before you go in or you can quit at the end. And that that's, that's kind of where we were. And that's the metaphor that I used. I was at the bottom of a hole and I had two choices, curl up in a ball at the bottom of that hole or, you know, find some gratitude and pull myself out. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good perspective. And then maybe tell us a little bit about sort of coming out the other side, obviously mm-hmm. now looking back, you can kind of see it was all worth it. Tell us a little bit more about sort of what, what doors that's open for you now. And, um, hi LJ. <laughs> As my son opens his door, opens the door. Yeah. Doors that have been opened. Yeah. Provident timing. So yeah. Tell us a little bit about doors that have opened for you from both the resilience that you gained from the experience, as well as the knowledge that you gained from that, you know, the, the master's degree. The master's degree, I think, is was a huge catalyst. I enjoyed learning in my undergrad, but my my um, my grad degree sort of opened my eye, my mind to the world of possibilities. I think it was also very relevant to what I was doing. I was in healthcare analytics, and I needed to learn healthcare from the ground up. So healthcare administration seemed to make sense. But like in my second year, I just I called the doctor and said, "Hey." I decided to start a consulting business. I'd like to learn from you. And he said, okay, when you're a student, take advantage of all, take advantage of being a student as much as possible. I always said, well, I'm a student. I'm hoping to learn. It opened so many doors. (laughs) So I started consulting with clinics because I was curious and because now I had the title of student and I was learning about it and it started to be profitable. And then I got a couple really good consulting jobs because I had a master's degree from OHSU, which was a bucket list item more than anything. And so the title of master's really started to be a competitive title. People would see that and trust my advice and I could apply the skills instantly. So the combination of my time, I took a pretty significant pay cut to go to Kaiser. Kaiser was an opportunity to learn. I started at the bottom did a tour to all parts of Kaiser reporting and analytics while going through my undergrad, while going consulting with other people. And after everything was all said and done and the house was ready to go and I felt like I knew healthcare really well and finance and had the MBA, I started applying, like, where is this going to take me? And that was really hard too. I must've interviewed, I interviewed over a hundred times. And sometimes I got like all the way to the very end of the interview and didn't get it and didn't get it. Portland's really competitive. So um, my wife said, start applying outside of Portland. So I applied for one job in Medford and got a director gig first try. And it wasn't just a director gig. Like this is a, they said, we need help. Will you come in and help us? (laughs) Like we need you to show us the way. And it was really cool because like, I felt like, okay, I've got the skill set now. I've got a desire to learn. So innovation is not a big deal. I know how to take a risk. Holy moly. And, 
<laughs> and, and now I get to apply everything that I've learned. So it just all culminated really nicely. I, I am so grateful. Like I realized through the application process that I can put in all the work I want, but ultimately my destiny is not mine. It's from, you know, a higher power. So I just, I stay great back to that grateful habit, I guess, but I just stay grateful for what I have. It's also very, very hard. It's very stressful. And at the end of every day, my wife's like, how was today? And I said, it was amazing. I love, love, love what I do. <laughs> and guess what? And guess what? I get to do it again tomorrow. <laughs> so it's like, so it just, it, it really opened the door, not necessarily for me to control my destiny, but for me to be patient and find the job that was the best job for me and my family. And now I feel like we're on the next phase. It kind of opened the door to the next phase of my, my life and my family's life. And again, I get four, I work four ten, So I get three day weekends. Um, we're in a community where my kids have great schools. It's all pretty big blessing. Well, that's the dream right there to love what you do every day. It's probably you even sweeter because you worked so hard for it. Yeah. You had to take risks and sacrifice and build resilience for it. It does. It, it really, it, it tells me that I can do this because I've seen myself do it in a more controlled setting. But at, at the same time, yeah, having gone through the growth to get me here, I can firmly attest to the, the idea of doing things the right way. Chasing success is so much fun. It's, it's so great. But doing things the right way has a lot more legs, has a lot more longevity. And that's different. I'm going to, you know, that's different for everyone. I know it is. I've seen it work for a lot of different people, but sticking to what is true to you, I think is, is better than just chasing what's right in front of you. It, it has the longevity to go the distance and it feels so good to grow and, and, and get there. Well, I think that's when we need to ask ourselves what we think success is. Because if we have this idea of success that maybe is money focused or just something that doesn't bring real happiness for yourself and for the people around you, um, even though in the moment it might seem like it's something that... I don't know. It could be the right path or it could seem like the right path. But I think it's also easy to get swept up in just something that you are kind of good at that makes a lot of money or that makes pretty good money or has a good upside for money. And so you just stick with it without taking time to really reflect. And I think that what you did what, and what Ashley's describing is, is taking the time to actually reflect on, you know, is this what I would consider successful? Like when I look back on my life, am I going to be happy that I stuck with this or let myself be just sort of swept along with this because I got skilled at it as opposed to really chasing something that you absolutely love at the end of the day? even though it is stressful. But it seems like that moment, like there's a moment when people actually think about it because they could just be going with the flow of things. It's like, oh, well, things are good. They're not great, but they're good. But then they get to this point where they're just- Comfortable? No, they're exhausted or they're burnt out. And then they finally ask that question and they're like, it's, it kind of just gets harder as time goes on, whether that's like because of kids or whatever it is, like that question seems to get harder as life goes on. Like 
if I were to reach that higher happiness or that, that thing that I really want, it's going to take a lot of sacrifice. And I don't know. It's like, what am I trying to say here? But well, yeah, no, I think it's like the, <laughs> Justin's like the phrase, just finishing my sentences. Well, yeah. Like the, like you hear the phrase desperation leads to inspiration, but it's sure. better to find inspiration through reflection before you get to the point of desperation, because by the time you get to desperation, it's probably you have four kids and it's going to be more painful <laughs> to make that change. You know what I mean? So like, if you can reflect and try and make those changes before you get so far down the path that was just sort of comfortable and then realize one day that you're burnt out. But it's hard to realize like that because most people wouldn't think about it. Uh You know, like what is, what's the best route here? Like I'm comfortable right now, but then things change and you know, it's, it's life, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know, yes, I think the key to, to my, unique path has always been a self check. You know, I always do a self audit. Where am I? Where are we going? Is this the path that we want to be on? Desperation is going to come. It has to, that's why we're here. We have to experience desperation. You can choose whether it's self-inflicted or world inflicted. (laughs) I chose self-inflicted for some reason, Um, but I have a little bit of a cheat sheet, you know, we've made some really interesting decisions that have panned out in ways that we couldn't have imagined. And, you know, we always go back to this idea of if, if we could see it through God's eyes, it wouldn't be crazy. It would make total sense. Yeah. And so we do, we we self-reflect and we check and we study and then we pray about it. And I just, I remember laying on my bed, looking at the ceiling with my wife after we'd got done praying about a move to Colorado for some random reason for some job that came up. And we looked up at the ceiling. We're like, oh my gosh, we're going to Colorado, aren't we? And she's like, that's the answer I got too. So we did. And it, it was a huge step in my career. And then our personal family life, like it was just such a huge blessing to go be by ourselves for a year. So yeah, always reflect to keep that learner's mentality, not just vertically, but also retrospectively, you know, go back, review those basics, self-check, self-audit, and then see where God takes you. Yeah. I think that's exactly the key. And I think we should be doing it even when we're comfortable, like reflecting where we are and where we want to be in five, 10 years. Comfort makes me uncomfortable. It means I'm not doing something. I got to challenge myself in some way. And, and, and don't get me wrong. You have to rest. Rest is essential. Even on the seventh day, we got to rest, but you know, don't get comfortable. Find, in fact, find the discomfort because that means that's your opportunity to grow. Right. I like that. I agree with that. No. Yeah. And this has been actually really helpful for me because I've, I've been kind of in the, the point of desperation in the sense that I feel like I should have gotten out of sales a long time ago and I should have studied computer science. And I'm looking back and sort of kicking myself being like, well, if I would just would have maybe reflected more, but in reality, like that's not the way you wouldn't have it known. never would have happened that way. Yeah. Um, and so like, I, I like the way you said desperation is going to come like living by faith doesn't mean that you get to avoid desperation and you get to make all of the right choices to make the most, the smoothest ride through life. Like that's not the way that we grow in faith. And so I like that 
you know, just uh, the, the one thing that I'm taking from all of this is desperation will come. Part of living by faith is don't try to avoid it. Just accept that it's part of the process. And that's when your faith is going to be tested most. And when it's going to grow the most is when you get to that desperation and then you, you, you reflect and you keep moving and you just, you have enough light to light the path just a little bit further as you keep moving forward. So I think that's a, that's, that's the moral that I'm taking from, from your story. Yeah. And don't, don't kick, say thanks. I kicked myself one too many times. Yeah. (laughs) So we want to ask you if you could give advice to your 20 year old self, your 30 year old self, what would you, what would it be and why? If I could give advice to my 20 year old self or my 30 year old self, what would it be? Probably don't worry so much. That would be it because you're going to have beautiful kids. You're going to have a wonderful wife and it's going to be hard, but don't, don't worry about it. It's uh worry is just means you're fighting against yourself. So that's what I would say. Yeah. Just ride the wave, ride that wave of life. Cause it's, it is, it's great. It's hard, but it's great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so cool. much for, yeah, no, that's great. I I really took a lot out of this and I I anticipated that I would even with all of the conversations around these topics that we've already had but yeah I, I like this format. So yeah, thanks so much for for coming on. We really appreciate it. Our very you first guest. Very first guest. We appreciate you <laughs> being the guinea pig. Yeah. Um my mom and Only goes the up three from here. of Ashley's friends that listen to this are really going to enjoy this. So <laughs> One day it'll be more. It's great. I'm happy to help. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you. We really appreciate it. Happy to do it. Thanks for having me on, guys.